This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Blood Red podcast. On the day the extent of Fabinho's ankle injury was confirmed, Liverpool released plans to extend Anfield further and a top six rivals manager was shown the door. I'm Guy Clark and welcome along a new voice on the Blood Red podcast, but alongside me, the uh, steady eddies of the ship. <laughs> The Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, of course, Paul Ghost. Paul, how are you? I'm very well, Guy. Uh, great to hear that intro. So polished and professional. It's not what we're used to on this podcast, so let's be honest. <laughs> Our uh, Liverpool chief writer, Ian Doyle. Ian, how are you doing? I'm okay, but Ghost is just taking the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say exactly <laughs> the same thing. This is a professional, slick operation from yourself, and uh, it's very much not like uh, when Joe Rimmer's in charge. <laughs> Well, I, I won't be dissing Joe myself because it's okay. Know, we'll do that. Yeah, he is the overlord, and I am just uh, at the wheel for now. Guys at the wheel, I suppose. <laughs> uh, and fellow debutant Matt Addison, the uh, self-confessed James Milner of the uh, sports desk, and your rival. How yes. are you doing? Uh, yeah, very good, thank you. Yeah, I'm going to be on the, the sports desk for the next couple of months, doing as we said the utility role. So uh, moving across different departments. So yeah. Great to have you along with us today, Matt. Well, you two fine gentlemen have been down at Melwood today for Jurgen Klopp's press conference. Kick off with you, Gorsley, and I suppose the top line out of it being a certain uh, Fabinho and his ankle injury being confirmed, and it doesn't look good news. No, I must admit, I didn't actually think it'd be anywhere near this serious when he he trotted off against Napoli on Wednesday night. Um, He initially played on after that. Basically, hearing was it Lozano um, just slipped into him, didn't he? And um, he was down for a little bit and then played on and lasted about two or three minutes and then come off. And I actually wrote to me verdict he's going to sit out the Brighton game anyway through suspension. So hopefully he'll be fighting fit for the Merseyside derby. And I think I put the commentator's case on him because he's going to be out for the best part of two months and couldn't have picked a more difficult two months to miss for Liverpool really um, with this uh, incredible December run coming up where I think he played 10 times. Um, so he's going to be a massive miss. There isn't a player like him in the Liverpool squad. Um, Liverpool don't really have a specialist defensive midfielder other than him. Jordan Henderson has obviously played there for much of the last three years. Genie Wijnaldum can play there and I thought he was excellent when he came on on Wednesday for Fabinho. Uh, And Adam Milan is a little bit of a different number six, isn't he? He's more possession-based and you'd fancy him him to come in actually against someone like Brighton at Anfield where Liverpool are going to dominate possession and he can get on the ball a little bit more. Fabinho's more your man for, for putting in the tackles and, and winning it and, and playing it off. But yeah, there's there's no no denying he's going to be a huge miss for games against Everton. Uh, Leicester later on in December, the, the Club World Cup. Um, Liverpool can probably get by against Brighton and, and maybe Watford in a couple of weeks without him, but it's uh, it's going to be a huge miss. Yeah, and as Gorsley was mentioning there, Doyley, just in terms of, I suppose, how the injury came about. I suppose a bit like Alisson against Norwich, where, all right, he, he took the goal kick and he looked injured immediately, but he did walk off. And you think, oh, if a player walks off, it's probably a good sign that it, it might not be too bad. But mm. if this is going to keep Fabinho out till the middle of January, it could have a bit of a detrimental effect. It will do, but I think we've got to bear in mind that you know last season, Fabinho didn't play for the, more or less the first two months of Liverpool winning game games then as well and he did get to a Champions League final without him there so while he is arguably well he certainly is one of Liverpool's most important players and you could even argue probably the most important player this isn't something Liverpool haven't had to deal with already this season you mentioned Alisson then he would miss him for 11 games and he, was, he would be on that list along with Van Dijk you could argue Mane and Salah of players yeah. who Liverpool can't afford to be without but then you know Firmino missed a few games for the end of last season and Liverpool got through a a Champions League semi-final against Barcelona. So 
I think while fans are obviously a little bit worried because, you know, Gorsi's right, he's the only defensive midfielder they've got. And that's his only role. Well, he can play centre-back as well. Is that the others can do a job. And I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool took this opportunity to perhaps change system to 4-2-3-1. They've, they've switched to it against uh, against Napoli on uh, Wednesday. And also that might get Mohamed Salah back, you know, back in the goals again. That's something that they did last season. The other thing is Salah still got his injury, hasn't he? He's got his, he's, he's carrying his ankle injury. So all these injury problems, and Liverpool have been dead lucky with injuries, say some of the some of the pundits, well, they've lost they lost one of the major players for 11 games. They've going to lose another one for about 11 or 12 games. And the top scorer for the last couple of seasons is carrying injury for the past month. So Joel Matip. That look at, and Joel Matip as well. Mm. Yeah, he was, he was arguably the best defender this year, even better than Van Dijk since the turn of the year. He's been out for a, for a month as well. So it's not been all straightforward for them. So, yeah, it's, it's the wrong time for him to get injured in the sense that there's so many games. But... At least Liverpool are going to be approaching it from a position of strength. There are, you know, there are certain games that perhaps he wouldn't have played. Anyway, he wouldn't have played all of them, would he? You know, it would have rotated certainly over Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think the Club World Cup. I don't think they'd be particularly. You know, that's not a match. They want to win it, but you know, if he was going to miss two games of the whole thing, I think they'd have picked them. Um, the Premier League's the main one, and because, funny enough, because of the Club World Cup, they actually play one less Premier League game than they would do normally. So in some ways, that's helped. Yep. Yeah, the West Ham game, the game to be sort of postponed for the time being. Matt, in terms of the options that Jurgen Klopp will then have available, I suppose we probably are looking at Henderson, Wijnaldum and Adam Lallana, who played in the Arsenal game, but as Gorsty sort of alluded to, a different number six, not perhaps got that defensive instinct. No, uh, a very different option for sure. I think probably Wijnaldum would be my favourite at this moment in time, but certainly you'd look at it at home against a Brighton team that, OK, they are... They are a decent Premier League side. They're, they're certainly not a bad team, but they're not they're not going to come to Anfield and, and try and attack and, and give Adam Lallana, if he does play in that position, loads and loads of problems. So I think, look, this weekend isn't isn't the real issue with with Fabinho. I think Liverpool can get over the line quite comfortably this weekend. It's more, you know, as you say, we've got what is it, ten games, eleven games in mm. December, difficult games as well coming up, not least Everton, of course, uh, next week. So. It's more the long-term issue with Fabinho rather than this short-term, just this weekend. And Ian, I think you touched on it before. One of the telling bits from the press conference for me today was when Klopp was asked about the players, basically what I just said to Matt there, who are the contenders who could fill in for Fabinho? He said, no one's like Fabinho, no players like the one that they're trying to succeed. Mm. But then said, we can always change shape. You, you yeah. said about it before and you've, yeah. you've said it time and time again through this season, how Liverpool we all look at it as 4-3-3, but so often do change it and might be the chance to do that now. Yeah, I mean, it was this, as I said, it was this time last year, wasn't it? They just started to do it. I think it was a couple of weeks earlier. Um, that was partly because Shakiri was yeah. was in form and they needed to get him in the team. And Oh, Shakiri's back. Funnily enough, yeah, yeah. he's back. So it'll be, I, I would expect him to play a few games over the, the coming weeks. So it's, it has opened up the midfield for other people though, because if Henderson or Juan Aldum or even Milner are going to go back into that position, then there's another position for Oxlade Chamberlain, you know, Naby Keita, who we've hardly seen anything yeah. of, and Shakiri, who just who just mentioned. So, in that sense, it will lead to a bit of a change, of probably of style for Liverpool, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing because, you know, teams, some teams might have said, oh, we know how to play against Liverpool because they're going to play this, that and the other, and now it's kind of all in the air a little bit again. Now they've got the reason I'm trying to take a positive out of a very negative situation you'd still yeah. want Fabinho to be fit you want him to be playing in all the games because he's, he's the best at what, what he does but 
it could give Liverpool an option to do something a little bit different and they do have the players to do it. Yeah, and on that theme, Gorsley, talking of the options, in recent weeks, I've been really impressed by Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and so much he's been told or has been said about how now he's a central midfield player. It seems as though he's at that time in his career where he has to have one position nailed down. You can't keep putting him out on the wing. Perhaps this might solve a bit of a headache for Jurgen Klopp of whether it be Wijnaldum or whether it be Henderson slot back and find a way to to get Oxlade-Chamberlain in the team because neither Henderson nor Wijnaldum have probably deserved to be dropped either. Yeah, it's a good point. I think uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain left Arsenal because of frustrations over not being played in in central midfield. I think, did he play in an FA Cup final as a wing-back against Chelsea, was it? Um, And then basically was was, was sold on what Jürgen Klopp was, was, was telling him to come to Anfield and basically play centre mid and, and play in the position that you've always wanted to make your own. And and to be fair to him, for to be fair to Klopp, he hasn't kind of um, gone back on that promise because for the large majority of his Liverpool career, he has been a central midfielder. He's popped up on uh, on the the wide areas at the front three now and again, but um, his best performances for Liverpool have been as as an attacking central midfielder. Um, no more so than when he he was in the form of his Liverpool career and possibly his overall career when he was taken down with that horrendous knee injury against Roma in uh, April last year. Um, slowly but surely getting back to, to his, uh, his best. I think he scored five goals this season now for club and country. Um, I thought he was good when he came on the other night, actually. I thought Liverpool started to perform a lot better in the final third with, with him on the ball. So maybe it could be a big opportunity for him over the next few weeks. He's a different midfielder to Fabinho. Obviously a lot more attacking and, and we'll get amongst the goals a little bit more. But... As Doidy says, if there is a little tweak of a, of a system here and there, he could be someone who could operate um, maybe as that almost number 10, do you think, maybe behind the striker and get forward a little bit more. So, yeah, I, I think it could be a big few weeks for him. And it might offer the chance for goals to be spread around the team, something Jurgen Klopp said today, he couldn't care less who scores the goals, Doily. Well, we've done this before, haven't we, on the podcast, when you look at the Premier League, they've had... 10 different goal scorers or something like that. They've had a lot, basically. And that was a criticism last season or the season before was that it was only Salah, uh, Manny and Firmino who scored. And now Liverpool has gone the other way because just the way that they play and also partly because the, the front three, certainly Firmino and Salah, haven't quite matched their goals tallies of, of recent seasons. Although I did do a piece uh, this morning on Salah and basically after 18 games last year, he'd had nine goals and four assists and this year he's had nine goals and five assists. So technically speaking, he's actually doing better than he was yeah. he was last year. And the goals have included uh, ones against Arsenal, uh, Tottenham and Manchester City. So it's not like he's just scoring them against mm. the lesser lights. He's, he's the man for the big occasion. Maybe that's something that a bit later down the line, he, that's what he's going to end up becoming, you know. Um, but yeah, they have to, you know, Jürgen Klopp has said in the past, he said it after the Crystal Palace game when Firmino broke his, his, his drought for about nine games, he said he's not bothered who scores as long as it goes in. I mean, he says that, but secretly... If your strikers aren't scoring goals, then something's gone a bit wrong. And with the defence not keeping any clean sheets, they just need anyone to just yeah. keep on scoring because for, for whatever reason, they just cannot keep a clean sheet. Certainly at home, they haven't kept one at home this season. Liverpool mm. have, have actually had more goal scorers this season than they had for, for the entirety of last season. I think Lovren heading one in on Wednesday night basically takes them to uh, 16, I think, and they only had 15 scorers last season. 16? I think so. I didn't yeah. think it was that many. Mm. If you want to pop in with a, a stat like that, of course, <laughs> yeah. I have no problem whatsoever. I, I'm a big enthusiast on them, as you know, in the office. But we'll, we'll draw a line under the midfield and move on uh, just after this, Matt. Just in terms of Fabinho, 
I think he, it's fair to say he's been the form player for Liverpool for the last six weeks or so. And players, as seasons go on, the form player does change through early parts of the season. It was Roberto Firmino. But is he the most important player that Liverpool could have afforded to have lost? Or you've still got the likes of Jovan Dijks and, and Salah, obviously, at the top end of the pitch? Yeah, I mean, it's a really difficult one to, to say who Liverpool's best player is at the moment. And I think that that's sort of testament to, to how strong the squad is. Um, obviously, Fabinho, we know, has been exceptional, I think. Probably for most people, he's he's been Liverpool's best player this season, which, of course, if you lose your best player, then, of course, that's a big blow. But I think at the same time, you look at the number of options that Liverpool do have in midfield. You look at, you know, Naby Keita's hardly had a look in. Does this present an opportunity for him? Zedan Shaqiri, we've talked about already. Potentially, he can come in. Another option again for Jurgen Klopp. I think he's only played, what, 12 minutes in the, in the Premier League this season. So it, it just... At the same time, it's obviously a horrible thing to happen. It is in a position where you think there are other options. I mean, let's say Andy Robertson got injured for a sustained period of time. I think that would probably be a little bit more of a concern for Jurgen Klopp just because of the lack of cover in that position. Well, we started on bad news with Fabinho's injury, but good news now. And Doyle and I, earlier today, the podcast went out speaking about the... uh, Plans for the Anfield Road stand to be expanded. 7,000 seats to be added to it, Gorsty. A good news story out of Anfield, quite literally. Yes, huge. Um, the public consultation has started today. Liverpool want to expand it up to 61,000, um, but a lot depends on, on the residents of the area and how they respond to this news. If it's uh, if it's popular, um, there'll be a second consultation in the new year. And then if that, again, is, is proven to be Quite successful, Liverpool will apply for, for planning permission, I think. Um, so that that's basically the, the stages that they're looking at at the moment. It's costing an, an estimated £60 million. Um, The money isn't coming from the club owners. It, it's being um, from Liverpool's uh, creditors. So that's probably a good sign, really, that, that the club is self-sufficient and they're able to, to do it without uh, lending money off their owners. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's all looking promising. Obviously, the main stand's been a massive success. Uh, since that was unveiled in September 2016, I think. So um, that 61,000 capacity will take them up to the third highest in the Premier League. And they're also applying for a year-long um, concert um, application, which basically means that they're, they're able to have big shows on Anfield as and when the football schedule dictates. Um, obviously, it seems like that all went quite well over the summer with was it Pink and... Uh, bon Jovi was it? Take that. Yeah, don't take forget that. take that. Yeah. Um, Never forget take that. Yeah. You were, you were <laughs> at that one, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it all seems like it's, it's positive at the moment on, on the Anfield Stadium front, but um, the it, it, I think it does depend on how the residents of the area kind of react to, to the plans. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Matt, we were looking at the pictures in the office and it does look like main stand light, doesn't it? It's going to connect to it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it just seems to fit so perfectly with the the main stand. And obviously, you touched on it there, the, the success of that, you've got to say, if they can replicate the success again, it's just another huge step forward. And I think most of the, the 7,000 increases is general admission as well, which I think is absolutely massive for, for local fans and fans of of the club all over the world, really, to be able to get hold of more tickets. And, you know, it, obviously, it's a, a long way off being completed and it needs to go through a lot more processes yet but the fact that the club have, have come out this week and, and sort of put down a marker if you like it it's certainly a step in the right direction Guy what's your favourite take that song? 
<laughs> We've had this in a pub before, but you obviously have not been in it, so. Um, I, I wouldn't know where to start. Oh, you can't say that. No, uh, patience. I'll go for that one. Oh, it's the first one that came into my mind. Rule of Well was yeah, a, was a, well was yeah, a good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. true. Uh, you're, not, be, you're not playing or...? I have no idea. Would you put me on the spot like that? I was, I I was trying to think of <laughs> uh, For me, yeah, it'd probably have to be after they, they reformed, because despite perhaps the looks for those on YouTube... <laughs> I, I, you are actually bit too, of age. Yeah, I'm actually a bit too young to remember them. I, I never the said time that. Yeah. No, 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 of course no, you didn't. Not, not on camera, at least. No. One aspect of the press conference, before we move on from that and look ahead to the Brighton game and just other sort of topics to go on, and I wanted to mention Gorst. He was the final question today about managerial pressure. Obviously, yeah, Unai Emery yeah. sacked at Arsenal. Klopp was asked about it, and it was one of those... You, you often, with Klopp, when a question is being asked to him, you can see the, the cogs turning. He's trying to work out what's being asked to him. Yeah. And then when the final sentence was delivered about, and how do you cope with your mental health, he visibly was was shocked to even sort of take the question, but he handled it very, very well, and it was yeah. it was an insightful answer from him. It was um, that came from a Norwegian reporter, Ingrid. Uh, can't quite pronounce her surname, so apologies for that, Ingrid. But it was an interesting question. It was um, it was all about mental health and not something that managers really get asked about too much, specifically their own. Um, maybe it might come up now and again of a certain player's being very public and, and brave with, with you know any issues they may be having, but. Um, you never really heard about managers suffering it, which is strange because it's something that, that affects everyone. Um, so Klopp took his time and, and answered it and said um, a big thing for him is he just ignores everything outside of his little bubble, so he's not listening to what his critics are saying or even what his you know people who support him are saying. He's very, very much focused on his job and just deals with, with the people at Melwood and at Anfield. And then he thanked the, thanked the reporter, didn't he, for the question? Because he said, you know, no one ever really cares about how we feel. So thank you very much for, for that question. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, if you if you haven't seen the press conference, um, it, it's worth having a look on our Blood Red channel just to to get an in, insight into how he answered that. Because I thought it was very interesting. I think Liverpool's, funnily enough, is one of the jobs where people have been affected in the past, whether it's physically or mentally. You look at Jared Hulier yeah. with his. Whether that yeah. was actually to do with the job itself, I'm pretty sure it actually oh, yeah. wasn't, but yeah. it, it, it would have had some you know, contribution. Then, of course, you got Kenny Dalglish with what happened after after Hillsborough and and what happened with his, you know, he took on so much. So, okay, there were ex- extenuating circumstances for both of those, but you didn't even count Rafael Benitez. He was a completely different person by the time he left Liverpool. He's probably just tired from having to deal with the you know the American owners, and the battles, the internal battles there. So it does have an effect on you. Yeah, this Liverpool job, I think. Klopp was just talking generally. It was interesting when he said that I don't know anybody, I've not had any experience of yeah. people who've, who've had that. It does tend to be with managers because they're by definition older than the players. There tends to be more of a physical thing than anything else. You hear of managers possibly, you know, they always have the heart checked, yeah. don't they, and all that. So they, they get put through all of that and they're the ones who are taking the strain more so than the players. So it, it was an interesting question because it's something that I think people, you know, as, as Klopp kind of said, you know, you know, intimated that people don't really think of managers' mental health when they, you know, they think of the players. And now in the social media age, they come in for a lot of grief. Klopp, of course, he just says, "I just ignore it all." 
Whether that's entirely true or not, I don't know. I'm sure he knows some of the stuff that's going on. Um, he seemed to know all about the videos when Liverpool won the Champions League and he's yeah. watching all of those. So, um, but he, he reads more than yeah, that's on, yeah, yeah. But you know, he, he's bound to. That's it would be a dereliction of duty. They all they all read it. But I think what he's basically trying to say is he doesn't pay any attention. He to doesn't take it in yeah, beyond face value. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. But then again, that's because he's at a stage in his career. And it's like with any job where. If you've been doing it for so long, you know you're quite good at it. If somebody's you know just mouthing off about you, most of the time you'll be just like, "Shut up! I know what I'm talking yeah. about." I'm just obviously talking from, from my own point of view now. But when you're younger and you're trying to prove yourself, maybe then you feel a little bit more of the pressure. Yeah, interesting, interesting sort of aspects, all of it being covered there. But uh, in terms of the wider question that was asked, it was about managerial pressure, of course, Matt. The second top six rival manager losing his job today in Unai Emery. Liverpool can, in fact, equal their longest ever home top flight unbeaten run, 31 games, if they avoid defeat tomorrow against Brighton. I suppose it shows the polar opposites between where a club like Arsenal and Liverpool are, because you only cast your mind back to the summer of 2014 when Alexis Sanchez went to the Emirates over Liverpool. You wouldn't see that happen now with Klopp at the helm at Anfield. No, absolutely not. I mean, obviously, in such a, a short time, Jurgen Klopp's transformed the club, and it's not that long ago that, if you uh, if you looked at it objectively, Arsenal would have been the better team, consistently finishing above Liverpool for for a number of seasons. So, it sort of goes to show as much how much Liverpool have improved as Arsenal have dropped off. I think, and you know, you you look at the the rest of the top six now. There's a, a huge gap, isn't there, between Liverpool and Manchester City and and the other top sides. So. I think, obviously, our, our main focus is, is always going to be Liverpool. But you look at, across at Arsenal and, I mean, we were, we were talking about it before, the, the stadium was empty last night for their game and that would just never, ever be the case for Liverpool, would it? I mean, we talked about the, the stadium being expanded and, yep. and lack of tickets and things like that. It's just in every possible aspect, I think Arsenal are, are very, very different to Liverpool now. Did Arsenal say there was 60,000 there last night, by the way? Oh, this is no my, they, they, I would assume that they probably did, yeah. You know what they're like. They'll, they'll yeah, say it's, it's what all clubs yeah, do, isn't yeah. it? When, yeah. And no, it's just Arsenal. Oh, is it? Okay. Okay. It's just Arsenal. Okay. I mean, who would support Arsenal? Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, in terms of that, we were talking about it in the office just before we walked down, Doily, about the, the unbeaten run that Liverpool can uh, match tomorrow and then they could even beat it in the derby. That would mm. be fantastic. Uh, we won't get ahead of ourselves, but it is one of these sort of calendar year runs that clubs yes. go on. Yeah. Amazing to think that Liverpool can equal a record that stood since the 80s when Liverpool were at their pomp and yet we're still waiting for a league title. Yeah, if we were talking about that, when we fun if it was about Arsenal as well, how in, in certainly in the, the mid-2000s they tend to always win the, the calendar year, yeah. but they'd, they'd be bad at the wrong times so they would never ever win the league. Um, yeah, the interesting thing about Liverpool's unbeaten run is that the last time they got to 31 games, the 32nd game was against Everton and they lost. And now the 32nd game, if they don't lose to Brighton, will be against Everton. So a little bit of history there for, for you history buffs. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. That the, I saw a stat, and you'll have to forgive me if I get this wrong, we did mention this, is that this season, I think every team from six down has already dropped more points this season than Liverpool dropped this season and last season. Which just tell you just the remarkable standards by which they're actually you know, set, setting at the moment. And, you know, we go back to the Fabinho injury. They showed last year without him, they can win games. They've won two games, away games this year in the Premier League without him playing. So it's a blow, but 
I think Liverpool are in such a mindset now that, yeah, they'll have the initial day or so of like, oh, no, what are we going to do? And even Klopp even said that after the Napoli game, despite the fact they hadn't won, despite the fact that they'd not kept the clean sheets again, despite the fact that they then meant that they had another game that they had to, to win of, not lose against Salzburg. He couldn't use it as a, as a dead rubber. The only thing he was thinking about was, oh, no, Fabinho's injured. I wonder how long he's out yeah. for. So... That shows the level of importance he's got. But now they'll look at it and, you know, Klopp's like, he just, he said that we need to find solutions because we've got to get on with it and we will do. And I think Liverpool will do that. And then who knows, maybe you know, by the time mid-January comes around, it might be a battle for Fabinho to get back into the team. And has that Napoli, I suppose, performance more than result, although it would have been if it was a Premier League game drop points, but has that performance and the way of it all sort of maybe come at the right time for Liverpool? Because you look at the, the run of fixtures and they probably are quite favourable a performance like that, I'm, I'm sure Jurgen Klopp will be giving the side a kick up the backside to say, look, that isn't acceptable. We ne- we now need to sort of go on a run. I think so. And I, I think it wasn't a performance that was below what we've seen in recent weeks. I think they were just up against a, a very good side in Lapley. I think that um, that has been overlooked in, in all of the analysis. The fact that Napoli are a really good side. Um, they seem to have the measure of Liverpool. They beat them in. San Paolo in September and, and held them to to a draw on, on Wednesday night. Um, Liverpool, I mean, it sounds a bit daft to say, but I don't think Liverpool have played that well this season. Um, they played well against Tottenham, um, played well in the first half against City and the first half against Chelsea. But generally, um, there's still a lot more to come from this Liverpool team, which is quite frightening for the rest of the league when you think they've only dropped two points. But generally, um, Liverpool have, have had to dig deep and slug it out and it's been the mental strength and character that's got them over the line more so than the, than the quality. So I think once the quality does kind of sprout and, and show itself on a more regular basis, then Liverpool will, will be a real force because um, it's incredible that they're doing so well without, in, in my estimation, playing particularly, you know, as well as, as we, what we've seen over the last two years. I think they need a big win. And you look at the next four league games, what was it? Brighton at home, Everton at home. Uh, as much as it's Everton, A, it's at home, and B, Everton are struggling. Uh, who is it? Uh, Bournemouth, Bournemouth away and Watford at home. Yep. Yeah. Now, historically, Liverpool score goals at Bournemouth. Historically, you know, Liverpool score goals at home to Watford and Watford aren't very good this season. And Brighton, while they're a bit more progressive this year, they've been, okay, they, they, they stuck it out to 1-0 last year, but it's 4-0 the year before that. Liverpool put five past them a couple of years ago down, down at their stadium. So, if Liverpool can't get the goals going in these games, then perhaps maybe there is an issue because you can't blame Fabinho for Liverpool not scoring some goals. You know, as, as has been said, this run of games is possibly ones where they probably didn't really need him. If you were going to rest him for games, maybe not Everton, but certainly the other three you go, might not play him in that one. It's a bit later on when you get to Leicester game and possibly Tottenham uh, in the middle of January and certainly the Salzburg one in the Champions League, the ones where they might have to think again about doing things differently. But... You know, Shakiri's back, you know, do, do, do the rest Salam I'm sure will come onto the team news in a bit for Brighton. I mean, there's a scope, there is scope for Liverpool to start hitting the, the back of the net again more regularly and keep a clean sheet. And um, one I wanted to, to mention to you, Dolly, is Potter's been working his magic at Brighton. He's, mm. got, He's got a new contract a already. A six-year deal, yeah. Oh, he's been in charge for about five yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah th- two, through to 2025. Um I mean, it, it's it, like Alan Pardew. It smacks, it smacks me in the face yeah. of Alan, Alan Pardew. But I suppose it shows that Liverpool are going to be coming up against a side who, whilst we perhaps don't know all too much about, <coughs> have certainly been exceeding their own internal expectations for this season. They beat Tottenham 3-0, didn't they? Uh, they beat Everton at home, although that was partly because VAR 
blind. Mm. Um, <laughs> who, who else have they played? Have they played anybody else? I think they've, they've played Manchester United. Yeah, they lost they, the way they got there. beat there. Yeah, didn't yeah they? that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. They, but they got it back to two one, didn't they? That's right, and they lost three one. Um, so they've always been in the game, is what Klopp was saying. They've always been in the game. It's very rare that they're out of the game. I don't necessarily. You'll have to forgive me. They may have lost a home game really badly early in the season. It's the first game of the season. Did they lose? Was it Southampton? Three 0 I've got a feeling they lost. Yeah, them, yeah, yeah, but. I don't even know where they are on the table. I'm struggling to remember, to remember oh, any of them. Where are they on the table? I was going to say, this, this smacks me in the face of sort of the, the point I was going to make in terms of... They haven't been awful. They've got, they've got Graham Potter in charge, a guy who's largely made his name in Sweden. Yep. They've got... I know they've filled out the team this year with a number of players who are lower profile, who we don't really know. They play this wacky 3-5-2 formation, but other than that, I don't know where they sit in the table, <laughs> yeah. which teams they've beaten. Are, and are, I suppose, they, are they top half? You know what? Rather than us just just churning on about it, I'll have a look. Twelve. Twelve. That's the top some, half. If you yeah, turn it upside down, how many points did they go? Fifteen. Yeah, well, so fifteen they're only five points, points off fifth. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Is that right? Five points off fifth. Exemplary research. That's the, that's the way that they. That's the way they'd look at it. That's the way they'd look at it. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I couldn't believe Knockout had left. I was watching the game the other day and he was like playing, playing for, for another team. I was yeah. like, what's going on here? Where did he leave? Yeah, he's yeah. gone to, to yeah. Fulham these days. But I suppose, Matt, it does show that at Anfield, Liverpool need to be the aggressor's superior side. But Brighton are going under the radar so much so we didn't know where they were. <laughs> of course, yeah. I mean, obviously any team in the Premier League, it is a bit of a cliche, but any team can be any team on the day. And Liverpool will have to be aware of that, of course, but... Look, I can't remember the last time Liverpool dropped points against you know let these lesser teams, if you want to call them that. So certainly there should be no sort of qualms about Liverpool getting the job done or, or being able to do that. There's no reason to, to suggest that they won't win. And I've got to say I'm, I'm fairly confident. They lost 3-0. They, they won 3-0 at Watford on the first day, but you're right, they did get beat by Brighton at home 2 uh, by, Southampton. by Southampton at home 2-0. And they have... They lost to Leicester last time out, of course. Uh, Klopp yeah, mentioned that. He said yeah. it was a... He watched the game and it was a bit of a tough one for Leicester until they got that first goal. Well, we might as well then, because we've nothing else to say on Brighton, get on to our <laughs> team selections and our predictions for the weekend's game. They have game. lost twice to Aston Villa. There you go. They've lost twice to them. Yeah, because they've been in the League Cup in the as League well. Cup, right. Yeah. Okay, it could have been them that Liverpool were facing, mm-hmm. of course, in the quarterfinal. But uh, anyway, we'll get on to the team. I suppose in goal, unanimous decision. I think so, yeah. Alison Becker. Alison Becker, the man in goal. The back four... By and large, has been Trent, Lovren, Van Dyke, and Robertson. Matip is still out. So, again, uh, well, Joel Matip's getting assessed today. Um, I think the players are arriving for training as we were leaving Melbourne. So, I think the, the training today, um, I'd, I'd be shocked if Matip was in the team, but it's not a 100% definitely ruled out. But I'd expect Lovren to start ahead of him and, and continue his uh, good form, to be fair. He played well the other night. Van Dijk alongside them, obviously, and Alexander-Arnold's got to come back in to, to right-back for me. I, d- I just don't fancy Joe Gomez at right-back. I was going to say, Trent was very much missed mm. on Wednesday night. Yeah, he was. Henderson played quite well, actually, when he went to right-back. Uh, I think I think Milner will play left-back. don't think Robertson's going to yeah. play. I think uh, he's due a rest. He's another, again, he's another one who's been carrying an injury. Call, so, yeah. yeah, so, again, Liverpool lucky with injuries. Yeah, that is obviously the uh, the thing until... Oh, wait, yeah. no, maybe not. Um, Matt, we're going to the midfield three. I think this is where the debate will probably centre around the number six role, the holding midfield role. What would you... Who who would you go for there, Matt? I think I would go for Gini Wijnaldum. I just think he's he's done that a little bit better than Adam Lallana has shown in the past. Um, probably he's the most likely to go in. But then alongside him couple of different options. I think Naby Keita, did Jurgen Klopp say today that he was back Shady in? Okay, so yeah. 
I think I think it's probably if he's going to get a chance over the next few weeks, possibly Brighton at home is a, a decent one to, to put him in. Whether he comes straight back in off the, the back of a bit of illness and a bit of injury, I'm not too sure, but probably Jordan Henderson will start in there as well. And it is, it's, it's an area of the pitch where Jurgen Klopp's got options, but I suppose he'll have one eye on Wednesday night as well. So your three you're going for in the midfield? Uh, my three will be Henderson, Wijnaldum, Cater. Right, OK, Doily, what are you saying? I definitely think Fabinho's not going to play. He was, suspe- <laughs> oh, he was suspended anyway. Oh, wait, um, we should talk about that. Yeah. Oh, wait. Um, I think Wijnaldum will play. I think... Ooh, it's tough on this. I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to go, to have them going 4-2-3-1, you know. Right, OK. Tempted, really tempted. In fact, I'm, I am going to do that. So I'm going to put two in midfield and it's going to be Henderson and Wijnaldum. Do Liverpool need a defensive midfielder for Brighton at home? Well, Thursday? my midfield is going to be a, a rarely seen one, if ever, of Adam Lallana as a number six, Naby Keita and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Wow, brave. I that, that's, to say. The, that's the League Cup one, isn't it? It's the League Cup team. Uh, against MK Dons? Yeah, and against Arsenal, wasn't yeah. it? Against Arsenal, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. pretty sure that was... For, the... for both games, yeah, OK, well, we'll go with that one. Yeah, I have to say, Arsenal's, personally... Arsenal still couldn't win, could they? No, couldn't. <laughs> scored five and lost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Still, no. Not many teams who scored five at Anfield and lost, especially when they were ahead, what was it, 3-1, 4-2, four, two. Four, two, yeah. with about 10 seconds to go. I have to say, personally, I've got reservations over Lalana in that sixth role, just because I think offensively he's a good playmaker and he can start Just things. ignoring that comment, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but defensively... All of it. De- defensively, I, I, I'm, positionally, I'm just not sold on him. I just think um, it, 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 it was sort of... Converted to a number six over the summer, and he played it a lot, um, almost to try and prolong his Liverpool career um, as like a reserve to Fabinho. And I think Brighton at home is the ideal place for him to to, to learn that position a little bit more. Liverpool are going to dominate possession, and and if he's on the ball, he can make things happen. So uh, okay, he's not he hasn't got the the, the presence of Fabinho or the the muscle of, of a typical defensive midfielder, but um, you might not need to if you're going to have you know. 80% possession or however much it is. Well, I've talked myself into Henderson, Vijnaldum and Oxlade-Chamberlain in the midfield three. I take it we're all going for the, the forward three or is Salah... No, because I've got 4-2-3-1. Oh, so oh, a completely well, different team. Well, yeah, but it's the same forward three with a, a number 10. No. Right, OK. No. <laughs> Who would you like to put <laughs> in your, in your, in your not, support three behind that. the striker? No, I'm going to have Firmino in behind Salah who's the central striker. Right. Manny on the left, and I'll have Oxley Chamberlain on the right. Thank you very much. Right, okay. I think we'll have the same. I also names, would like to point just... out that I think Brighton are going to have a lot more of the ball than people reckon. Klopp said Klopp said something about Brighton had forty eight percent possession. We said they got the against, seventh most in yeah, the division Man- at Manchester City. And I just checked. I couldn't check the possession, but I know they lost four nil against Man City. So I think it's going to be a slightly different game to what people are expecting, and whether or not that comes into Klopp's thinking, whether or not he decides not to play Lallana for that reason. Whether or not that means he's going to go to a four-two-three-one, I don't know. That's just me. I know they like to play it out from the back, so maybe your four-two-three-one to press them higher up might might just do the trick. Matt, are you going for the the forward three? I'm going for the usual three. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Zed and Shakiri come in or, or someone like that, but I think get the job done first and and then make changes, get that win. And Gorsty, yeah, I'll go along with that. It would be nice to see Shakiri get some minutes under his belt. I think he's played 15 minutes all season. Um, and he's coming back from that injury, so it'd be nice to, to get him on the pitch in some capacity. But I think let's get the the job done first. Well, 
again, for what it's worth, the forward three, the forward three for me. We'll go back down the line in terms of predictions. So, Gorsty, you're up first. I think this could be the one where Liverpool finally don't have to worry too much and they're not fighting until the last few minutes. 3-0. 3-0. Brighton had 46% possession against Manchester City. I've just checked. <laughs> He's done the I've just checked. Uh, they had six shots to 15 and Liverpool win 3-0. Liverpool 3-0 win. And Matt? I'm going to go 2-0. I think they will finally get a clean sheet. I think it's been 11 matches where they've conceded a goal in a row now. So I think that's the most important thing. But yeah, I think it'll be fairly comfortable. And to round it off, I'm going to go 4-0. I was thinking of a 5, but no. Stick no, with... 4-0, that's yeah. very confident, yeah. Have you, ever I, seen, have you seen four goals for your team, Arsenal? <laughs> <laughs> We've actually My won team. a game. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, it's... Yeah, we'll move on from that. Uh, well, thanks for joining us here on the Blood Red Podcast. Of course, we'll be back on Monday to pick the bones out of the game with Brighton. In the meantime, enjoy the game and uh, thanks for your company here on the Blood Red channel. Until next time, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.